0: Okay. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man Merely
1: Nearly a two-word review, it just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up. That right like, there that is a lot, lot of Welcome back to the basement Musical Lovers. you are now tuning in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on twenty of the podcast i'm your host Kevin as usual and I am actually still on vacation on coming uh through the magic of planning ahead uh we got a uh, a bunch of these in the can and uh and honestly, uh, big thanks to our entire team we we sort of did a bunch of these super fast so this could happen and and uh knocked it out they're they're always great but they uh we had some fun drink some drink some beers and talked about some great music but did a lot of it. Uh, so uh, that's what brings us to today talking about a band called Loma Now this album came out maybe a month or two ago we've been it's on our list to talk about and and by that it's I mean it's not just hanging out like maybe we'll get to it uh, first time I think most of us heard this we're like damn this album's tight over the past few months listening to it uh, it is is sort of grown. Um, you can dig into it, peel back layers of it, and there's always more to discover. Uh, members of this band from Shearwater, they make a cross record. Uh, it is sparse, it is, it is, uh, majestic at times, uh, but it really just drops you in a mood and, uh, and, ha- and sort of forces you to experience something, which I think is rare in, in a lot of music these days and in a lot of art. And, um, and uh, they, they they killed it. That's what I'm saying. And it's a remarkable album um, that was completely unexpected, just sort of dropped onto the planet, into the universe, and like now here we are talking about. It. So that's what we're going to be doing at the back end of this. We're going to be talking uh, about a band called Motorcade. I'll tell you more about that. But uh, they they are um, the great the great hope for me at least for a revival of Pretty and Pink core. which We'll talk about more later. But that's our podcast. That's what we're doing. So if that seems uh, like your bag, then uh, then uh, continue listening. If not, you know we got about 360, 357 or something other episodes you can check out. Uh, and if you're still with me right now, then let's head on down to the basement, meet my friend Michael Zwern uh, who is also a big fan of Loma. As we uh, dig into this wonderful, wonderful debut album from what uh, I hope is going to be a band that is going to be around for many, many years to come. <laughs> Sweet. But <laughs> neither here nor there. Are you ready to talk about Loma? Ab- um, let me see. Where start? Where start? start? It's been a minute, man. It's been a long time.
2: Yeah.
1: You b- checking your gram?
2: Uh, no, I'm not. I'll tell you what I'm doing right now. Snapchatting? No, absolutely not. I'm looking for a review that I wrote of the last time that I saw the members of Loma play, but as separate oh. bands. Cross record and the Shoe Ratter. And I saw them in the same set, and I did not know at the time that they were going to become a different band entirely. Did you, was that for us? No, no, I was... saw that independently in Baltimore in April of 2017. So it was just, or maybe March of 2017. Yeah. So actually, Matt Condon was at the same show. Yes. Bumped into him there. I bumped yep. into a friend of mine uh, from DC there. I was very surprised to see him, but it was because Shearwater was not touring in Washington on that particular leg of their tour. Right. So they went to Baltimore. <sighs> I saw them at the Auto Bar and Cross Record were opening. That was my first experience with them and then of course Shearwater were playing. So it's like, yeah. oh look it's a Loma show before Loma existed.
1: I need to confess something uh before we get into this. I am not a fan of Ockerville River. Mm-hmm. And by proxy, I'm not a fan, fan of Shearwater. Yep. In general. Um I respect it. Uh, it. it's fine. Uh it it uh it hits a uh any a rock nerve in a bad way for me. But yet I see like a coverage of it, like because I know I look I I honestly this is one of the few times like and few bands I think that it's it's like I know I'm in the wrong, <laughs> like I I think with I think with uh, Will Chef's talent and 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 Jonathan Myberg's talent, uh, objectively you can be like those motherfuckers are talented, and and then I see like the pictures of like the show and what Jonathan was doing with mm Water. And I'm like, fuck, like this guy's really in it. And, oh, yeah. and so whatever it is, it doesn't resonate with me. So well,
2: well I I like Shearwater a lot more than Ockerville River, and I do think Ockerville River are a good band. I enjoy them, but right. I'm a much bigger Shearwater fan. Yeah, yeah. So when uh
1: this came across our desk, mm-hmm. Loma, I was like, Oh man. And I and I think it might have been you uh that asked and asked again and asked again, like If we were covering it or checking it out, then I was like, "Ah, you know, maybe I'll check it out." Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And uh, and in fact, you wrote a a little
2: tracking, cover for a song we're going to hear for the first single that came out from Loma in advance of the Um, record,
1: yeah. But uh, as it turns out, this is—and this may be spoilers. I think this is one of the best releases of twenty eighteen. It's so far certainly one one of the most surprising, one of the most surprising episodes. So. Um, we're gonna play a song. We're sort of rambling into this, we're gonna play a song. Uh, the song we were just talked about, Relay Running Runner. I'm gonna give you a little background of the band, and we're gonna get into it, and and, and let you decide here. So this is a little bit of Relay. Runner from Loma, Um, if you, if you if you were catching a little bit of you said Motoric, I said pet Mode. Uh, a little Martin Gore action there in the vocals. Uh you are correct. This band made of uh it was a duo, uh in more ways than one, maybe not so much anymore. Uh, and, and Jonathan Meinberg, uh, of the Sheerwater aforementioned uh band. Emily Cross and, and Dan Dzinski were in a band called Cross Records. They were also married. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, I don't want to make a lot about that and I don't think people should in the press. I don't think people are in the press, but uh, they did uh, terminate their relationship yeah, it, in the middle of making this record.
2: And and, and to me, it's, it's a fascinating story. Um, I did not know that they were separating and divorcing at the time they were making the record. Yeah. All I knew is that when I saw them opening for Shearwater, they were a married couple. I'm like, okay, that, that's fine. And then when uh, Jonathan Myberg started doing this project with them, I was like, oh, that's, that's cool. And then when the album was released, and then it was revealed that they had ended their marriage. Like, oh, that would have been tense. It's like, right. I, I don't know how they managed all, to pull all, it off. All reports are that it wasn't. Yeah.
1: That, that it was fine. So, but it is worth noting because I think it, it, it does bring in some songs, even the titles, uh, if we are to hypothesize, we shouldn't, but we probably will, uh, into that that maybe that, you know, you can see that some of that tension. Right. Uh which is which is honestly how a lot of the, the best art gets played out. But at any rate, this band, uh they're from a place which is one of my favorite places mm-hmm. on the planet, Dripping Strings. hmm uh, uh yeah, outside of Austin, Texas. Hill um uh Israel Nash is out there. Huh. And uh it has uh you can go a little bit, little bit further to get to Luckenbach, mm-hmm. but you can also like there's all this like uh, old German culture out there, which is what the Texas Hill Country is all mm-hmm. about. Um and, uh, and and so after touring with Shearwater, uh, they sort of looked at each other and were like, hey, man, this is, I, I like this. You guys want to maybe do something. Mm-hmm. And they sort of hold up at their place,
2: right? Or a place out there. Yeah, they all decamped to Texas for a while. Yeah. And that's that's where Shearwater reformed, but they're not based there anymore. They're right. actually in New York. Right. So I think Jonathan and, and, uh, and Emily Lee from Shearwater went out to Texas and they made this record together. And so Jonathan wanted to write lyrics for somebody else to sing. Mm -hmm. So he could focus on the instrumentals and he liked the way that Emily Cross sang. And I, and I got to see them when they were opening for Shearwater and she's a very, uh, very evocative vocalist. She's both, she can do a lot of different things with her singing voice. And I think Jonathan wanted to use that as a, as a vehicle for his songwriting. Yeah, for sure. Um,
1: I want to dive into another track now. It's a short track, so we're just going to play a little bit of it. Um, because a lot of this album is about... That, that song is a little... It's kind of as rocky as it, it, it gets the Yeah, at all. that's but the most direct song ever. This song is about a mood, and and I, and it is very much, uh, to my mind, what makes it so good is is how it immediately takes you out of place. And it does it with this song, uh, Who's Speaking. Mm-hmm.
2: start a record, who's speaking, like whose identities are at work here, what what's real, what's not real. That's a great title for an album starting t- uh track. It's a great title for an album. It's it who is <laughs> I mean good. I mean but it's a Lori Anderson thing, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: it is a Lori Anderson thing, which is funny because like uh this song and a lot of other songs of this album like I think a lot about uh like English folk when I when I hear that song. And and I think um maybe that's one of the reasons why this works for me because to be honest, like English folk doesn't work. Like, I, I'm not hmm. ever going to reach for a Fairport convention record or, uh, or honestly anything that Matt likes. Whereas <laughs> I will happily, yeah, you will, reach you for you a will happily. Pre- re- for, record. But it's such a weird thing to show up on, on this, this guy who, like, Shearwater is one of those indie bands, mm-hmm. and, and indie with a capital I. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and uh, you know, they have the, the respect. And they have the the cred uh for everybody, and so when you pair with him and you're doing this stuff, then that's sort of what you expect and to come out like right out of the gate with this mm-hmm. that leans heavily into other traditions it it cues you off to like maybe you're in for a different journey
2: yeah and so in terms of what is really interesting to me is the so Jonathan decided not to sing on this record, so it's all it's all Emily cross mm-hmm. singing, but they also, and both uh, Emily and Dan and Jonathan and Emily leave from Shearwater, they're all very intensely interested in different instrumentation. So I think they looked at it as a chance to also play musical instruments that they don't usually play. So there's a lot of, I think, found sound on this record. So yep. Jonathan Myberg is a doctorally trained, I don't think he's got his PhD yet, but he's working on it, ecologist. So he records field noises of birds, of of uh of frogs of other animals in the wild and then he often puts them in the background so you hear these things that you're not sure if they're musical instruments or if they're recorded uh in a field somewhere uh late at night they could be frogs they could be birdsong late at night and again that adds to the dreamscape yeah like, absolutely uh, and so i think that um when i saw cross record opening for Shearwater, dan did most of the sort of the different instrumentation and they they're all over the place musically they uh, the Wabi Sabi record and then the other cross record mm-hmm. album are really very different. Like, But they use a lot of different instrumentation. I think Jonathan Myberg took Loma as a chance to play instruments and use a soundscape in the way that he wasn't doing on the most recent Shearwater albums, which were a lot more direct, a lot more um, yeah. rock and pop oriented uh, on the last few records than they had been when they were kind of In the middle of this sort of very mystical trilogy of uh, records about ecology and islands and wildlife a number of years back. So what I like about, you know, uh, who is talking is like you're immersed in this very, uh, this very murky world, but then you got Emily Cross singing these lovely sort of harmonies with her own uh, background recorded Mm -hmm. vocals. And then you're wondering where it's going to take you. And the record goes a lot of different places. Um, Relay Runner is the most direct of them Relay all.
1: Runner is the most direct of, Well, There's also a connection here that, that uh, it hooked me on this song in particular. Um, if you remember the Vim Vendors film, or any Vim Vendors films, uh, Until the End of the World.
2: Oh, my goodness. One all, of my very favorite movies of all time. Yeah, exactly. And, and,
1: and for people who don't know, we've actually talked about it on this podcast before, but for people who don't know, it's a movie about... Uh, essentially, it's a detective story, a road trip movie. It is all these things, but uh, and the Italian director's cut is like eight hours long. Oh my god! But I have not <laughs> seen that. I have the I have the three and a half hour cut. But what the movie is about is uh, finding um, humanity and then losing it to our screens. Essentially, mm-hmm. uh, it starts off as a quest to. Uh, using uh, devices that look now familiar. This is in the nineties. Mm-hmm. You know,
2: it was ninety one or ninety two. Yeah, I was and, a senior in high school. And and uh, and
1: uh, so it was, it was a quest to uh, William Hurt traveling around mm-hmm. collecting images through from dreams. dreams. From dreams. Yeah. Well, he was collecting images from from people looking at stuff. Yes. But but that translated into collecting images through dreams, uh, which is our uh, direct analog, even though we had no way of knowing to our mm-hmm. iPhones today. Yeah uh, you know, just staring at screens and that's how everybody ends up addicted to it like they were addicted to morphine. Hmm. Uh addicted to their own dreams. But the soundtrack featured a lot of work from David Byrne. Mm-hmm. It featured uh a lot of string work from the people who were supporting like Nick Drake mm-hmm. at the time, and that sounds like
2: mm-hmm.
1: any of the background yeah. stuff.
2: Oh, that that's a good, good callback. I like that.
1: And and for that to be like suddenly whether they knew it or not. Uh, recalled like I almost think it's intentional I mean that
0: hmm.
1: v- that downstroke on that violin the, just the way the, it, the way it evokes
2: it's it's, it's vim vinderish hmm. it's, that's that's a great comparison so I love that uh, we've never discussed this I love mm-hmm. that movie and that soundtrack very much after you know yeah, 27 years later but uh, that is a good callback because you g- it's got some of that same uh, you know, that same aesthetic where you're not entirely sure what's real and what's half remembered or mm-hmm. that you're waking up and you're not quite sure of the boundary between uh, your waking life and your dreaming life. Yeah,
1: which is where the movie ends. Graham Revelle was actually the composer exactly. for that. Yep, and, and
2: a lot of cello on that album, a lot of yep. string sections on that album. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah, so this is a, this is a real good comp, uh, but it does move on from that. It, yes. it,
2: it definitely moves on from that. Uh, and and we heard it as poppy as it get,
1: but I mean, how would you describe joy? Like
2: this all right, is... so so joy is my my pick for this record. So the opening sound is a very distinctive sound that to me calls back Peter Gabriel's San Jacinto. If you remember oh. that song, yeah, yeah, it, it ends with this. It starts with the sound of the strangely metallic percussion, and then it then it goes from there. But that sound to me instantly calls back mid period like you know uh, security era Peter Gabriel yes. like prior to prior Damn, I, to to, yeah. th- to us and prior to so before before he was a major pop star right but there's a very distinctive sound there and it calls to like mind like three or four maybe three maybe four hard I I can't remember which record San Jacinto is on we'll but, look it up in the break well yes it's, yeah, it's, it's we'll very it factual right. at this yeah. point uh but so I love the way that it starts with this little metallic sounding percussion and then it swoops into um, the way that Emily Cross sings over this um, loping kind of melody. And it's, yeah. it's both beautiful and it's a little um, chilling at the same time, which I think characterizes a lot of the Oscars overall. Yep. So I love that. That is that is a great soundscape. So it called to mind, you know, that classic period of uh, early mid-period Peter Gabriel, where he's using these, these, these interesting Fairlight synthesizers and these little twinkling background noises. Then you got that really loping melody, like a million, million, million. And so Emily Cross is singing that lead vocal. And I suddenly just thought of another uh, point of comparison there. So I caught Kevin's reference about having never listened or put on to a, uh, a Fairpoint Convention record, but there is a song on this on uh, Richard and Linda Thompson called "Night Comes In," and I suddenly realized okay. I think Emily Cross is actually quoting from the song in one cor- in one line about night coming in, right there. Really? So there is probably another Fairpoint Fairport uh, Richard Thompson reference to be made in that record.
1: Yeah, uh, maybe. And I, I haven't read too much about this album, but I, I don't know if this angle has been. Attacked on that. San Jacinto is actually on uh, Peter Gabriel Four. Ah, uh, we security. knew it was three or four, we security. Uh, It yes. also had Shock the Monkey. It did. Uh for and that was uh nineteen mm-hmm. Uh it's a very specific place to reach back to. but I but I think it uh, you know we we started with Relay Runner, which is just uh, sounds modern, but mm-hmm. I mean I guess that's the charm of this this whole album for me is that it sounds uh out of place which mm-hmm. uh if you're trying to craft an album sort of around your place organically that's dripping springs mm-hmm. i mean you know people go to austin every year for south southwest and they uh you know they hit certain barbecue spots they the, they never go to lockhart mm-hmm. which is the correct place to go in case you're wondering <laughs> but um but as you venture out into that hill country you uh you get lost Hmm. and this is to me when i was listening this sounds a lot like that like experience if if i if i'm gonna be dramatic about it Hmm. like you know not not i mean so we got lost on the way back from luke and bach right (laughs) literally or figuratively literally Literally.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh it's dark as fuck out there (laughs) and um the horses that other people, you know, guide their way home, like we didn't have horses. So it's like we, we got lost and we're, and we're in the middle of nowhere, Texas, and it's, Texas is big and it's fine. Um, and, uh, you know, what we were listening to was more like classic country, like Willie. <laughs> and that was just like soothing our nerves and whatever.
2: But if you're paranoid out there, like this could be a soundtrack for that. See, I would, I would have never thought about that, but that's interesting. So when I listen to the Loma record, I'm like, this is a record that's kind of out of time and out of space. It yeah. Doesn't, it doesn't really fit in, into the Shearwater trajectory. Um, and it's on Sub Pop. It's on Sub like, that, that's, probably, that's probably a, an artifact of the fact that Shearwater's on Sub Pop right mm-hmm. now. And Cross Record had not been on, on... By the way, we should say that Cross Record may or may not ever exist as a band anymore. Yeah. They may not because the couple is no longer married together. They may continue to sing and write together, but I don't think the band is going to exist. Right. So that's a, you know, that's a sad thing. Cross Record was an interesting band. Uh, um, I didn't love their records, but I thought they were interesting. I was really glad I got to see them in concert. Anyway, so, so I think that, you know, this Loma record's kind of out of time, out of place. It doesn't fit in a lot of other stuff that you'll hear because it's calling back to very, very disparate, very, um, uh, not obviously connected musical influences. And I think it's, Partly because it was created as something of an intellectual exercise by Jonathan Myberg. He wanted to challenge himself, I think, writing songs to be sung by someone else, which he'd never done before, right? Which he, yeah. and limiting himself to instrumentals, whereas in the past he'd been the band leader after he left Ockerville uh, River, mm-hmm. which was a long time ago. And I think Emily Cross and Dan Dzinski took it on as something of a challenge himself because they'd hadn't collaborated other than as a married couple before. And then in the middle of recording this, their marriage was coming to an end. So yeah. it's it's got a lot of weird distance, I think, to it. Um, and it's it's engaging. It's sort of challenging as a listener to sort of figure out what's going on with the production techniques, with the soundscapes that they're working into the record. And then, you know, you got Emily Cross singing these very lovely melodies over them, but it's often... Not in a reassuring kind of way. It's often in a fairly, um, sometimes distancing kind of way.
1: Well, it's distance and it's also like uh, embracing. I, I think. I mean, there's a song called "Dark Oscillations." On yes, this. I mean that's not. There's, there's no ambiguity there. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I know you like the song "Sun Dogs," mm-hmm. uh, but but the song uh, "I Don't Want Children."
2: Yeah, this, you, you.
0: If
1: this, if. <laughs> And and maybe we'll we'll ask them about this if we if we talk to them when they're coming to DC soon. uh, I I don't want to presume to take something completely out of context, but knowing what's out, knowing what we know about how this album is created, like Mm -hmm. it's impossible not to take just that song title as as a really uh, serious look inside a a personal
2: relationship, and yet. It wasn't written by Emily Cross or Dan Dodson. Right. It was written by Jonathan Meyer, right. who doesn't know that the couple he's writing his music with right. are divorcing. Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah, it's wild. Uh, this is, I don't want children. I don't
0: want children. Thank you.
1: So sometimes you um you want to sink yourself into an experience mm. and I think the uh the political events of the past year or so 2017 I think closed us off to that a lot. Mm. I think uh much like Luke was closed off to the force uh I th- I think a lot of people were afraid to make Art like that, and, and we're afraid to... Mm. Like, to explore the smaller things. Yeah. Uh It had to be surface. It had to be... Uh, you couldn't dig under the scab. You couldn't, like, see what really is, is going on there. And that song, for me... Like, the, it comes in the center album. It is, uh, for me, the centerpiece of the album. Mm. It's so emotionally raw, so direct. Um, it's a thing that, like, at least me as a listener, it opened me back up to being like, okay, these songs can just be about this very small thing. You're going to sit with it for a few minutes and you're going to experience the pain, the joy, whatever is.
2: So uh, I don't know where the origin of the song was because it's, it's just such a naked expression of emotion. It's like, it's extremely direct lyrically and it's just heartrending this prepared piano. So, so you can hear the piano, and obviously it's been selectively detuned. I don't know mm-hmm. however they could have done any one of a number of things to treat the piano. Then you got Jonathan Myberg's guitar on it. As I was listening to it, I was called to mind um, another song about the aftermath of a separation. I don't know if you have any interest at all, Kevin, but Kate and Anna McGarrigal. When Kate McGarrigal was separated from her um, then-previous husband, Loudon Wainwright. Mm-hmm horribly dysfunctional relationship, epically dysfunctional. Yeah. Um, she wrote an a song on one of her records called I Eat Dinner. And it's literally about sitting down, eating dinner after her husband has left. Her she's stuck there with the daughter. She's she's realizing that in her life, at least in the immediate future, there will be no more of that love, that companionship, that yeah. that uh comfort that she had, even if it was flawed in many ways, and certainly it would have been historically. But I was listening to that song, and, the, and it came on a record I was listening to it a number of uh, weeks ago in the car. I was like, my goodness, that's such a naked expression of emotion. It's so direct. And the idea that you're you you know you're facing life without a partner that you thought you were going to spend your life with, and you've got your obligations, you've got to carry on with your routine. And so in this song, Emily Cross is singing this song like, I don't want children, but if I did, I'd want them from you. Right, which is and that's which is a twice as painful. Melody. That's like a heartbreaking like, thing.
1: Like- Holy shit like I mean the 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 implication there is that like this is breaking apart because I don't want children uh if I did i would want them with you but I don't want them and clearly this is this is this is the breaking point of our relationship
2: yeah and and I don't I don't know these people individually I mean yeah they clearly were able to work together to complete this record and they're touring together so they must be on good terms enough that they can do this but them I can, I don't even want to know what that's going to be like when she's singing that lyric in front of him on the stage, it's gonna be uh, Well, like you said, Jonathan might have written that. We don't know. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, you know, if uh, I would hope. If not, that is um uh they they're artists of the of the highest order. I mean mm. that you know, you talk about sacrifice for your art. That is <laughs> um uh, and again, that's such a small part of a relationship that I I didn't have time for this shit in 2017, mm. and now I definitely had time for it in previous years. Um, and I forget whose his record is amazing. It just came out. It was on Drag City. Oh, uh, I'll, I'll think of it. Next. Um, not Jessica Mayfield, but um, anyways, put amazing. Album. It is it is it was gut wrenching in the same way that this is, and it, and it achieves that. And takes you on that journey into that, and you're already in the dreamscape by going like hyper specific hmm. into this certain thing, and then just like nailing on it until it's not even until you get what the song's about. It's until you feel it, yeah. And then you feel it, and then you're like, oh. and then maybe you don't listen to it for a week <laughs> or two. Uh, I, I mean, I will say this isn't um, if, if you want to if you want to put this record on. The background of a party. I, I don't necessarily want to be at
2: your party. I wouldn't recommend it.
1: Yeah, this is not. This is not. You know, indie rock, or music in general can can lean towards even like seriously heartfelt stuff. Can lean towards background music. Can lean towards like, oh, that's a nice sentiment, and, or it's got a nice hook, or like, there's not a lot of hooks in here. Uh, it it is just a sprawling, um,
2: experience, and. Just as a uh, minor fact check, the record's 45 minutes long, yeah. only 10 songs, are long, they kind of go different places. Some of the songs begin or end with these found sounds, probably from Jonathan Myberg's Ecology Fieldwork. So it takes a while to get into these pieces, and it's a record you don't you know just listen to quietly in the background, you sort of need to focus your attention yeah, on it. Yeah, you absolutely do. And there's a lot of other stuff that I particularly... I mean, I thought I thought Dark Oscillations was really good. Yeah. I thought the closing track Black Willow is also really good. But there's a lot going on in these songs. And I think lyrically, Jonathan Myberg was sort of challenging himself by putting the words in somebody else's singing voice. And I think it's very interesting to hear how, as a band, Cross Record works with Jonathan's guitar lines. Because he's playing lead guitar but he's, he's doing other instruments as well. I don't know the yeah. full list, but it's a complicated list of instruments that Cross Record uses in, in concert and on record. So I think it, this is an exercise, but it ends up being an emotionally very gripping exercise, partly because of the emotional subtext that's going on in this recording, but also because I think they've really challenged themselves uh, yeah, as, and it, and Yeah, and
1: it should be said, it doesn't cheat.
2: No. It, like, like it, 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 it earns every
1: bit. Like, it's, it's hard. This is This is not... Like if you're if you like Shearwater, and, and Shearwater, for a lot of people is an easy band. It's like they're like, oh, I'm I'm attuned to that. I, I think this the last ho- couple
2: Sheer Water records were as easy and accessible as yeah. they've gotten. The yeah. previous bunch were were a little more. I, I like to think of them as a little monkish, because Jonathan Myberg was doing this very, this very, um, should we say, sort of. Uh, spiritual ecological themes, where the where the songs took a long time to develop, and, and musically, yeah. it wasn't even really rock music for a little while. Right, but right. then the last couple of records, Animal Joy and uh, Jet Plane and Oxbow and the Covers album, those were a lot more direct. Those are like, you know, band rock records. And this th- is not- this makes you work for it. This is yeah,
1: and and if you work for it, uh, the the reward I think is great. I I, I think yeah, I, I said up top, I think this is one of the better albums of twenty eighteen, if not one of the best albums of twenty eighteen. They've got some good contenders, the Everything's Fine <laughs> album. Uh some say Casey Musgraves. Mm. Um but uh you know it's a slow year. Uh and and um it's gonna be interesting what stands out and, and I hope people as you know when we get to the yeah. end of this year are still still uh cheerleading for this.
2: Yeah and, the- and so they're playing in Washington, I think D C nine uh when is it i can't remember i'll honestly we'll yeah. put it in the show notes. it's in the show yeah. it'll be in the show notes but this is going to be a really interesting show because they're jonathan is a magnetic front man i'm wondering how he'll be as a as a guitarist i i and emily want, cross is a, just a riveting singer i am looking forward to being devastated <laughs> just like just just it's, pr- come in pre-flayed because yeah, your emotions be like flayed. just all
1: right just be ready to be open you're gonna be okay but uh yeah it's it's uh, Uh, amazing debut I I hope they uh, I hope they they uh, I hope they know what they got and I hope they keep it together absolutely yeah
2: thanks for coming by dude alright thanks for being uh, around thanks for inviting me over
1: Self-titled debut is available everywhere. You can buy records out on Sub Pop, and uh, if you are in Washington D.C., they're coming through soon-ish. I think we'll put the uh, tour dates in the show notes. But they're 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 starting a tour, and uh, I honestly I can't wait to see this stuff live. Uh, hopefully, well not hopefully, it's going to be as powerful I think as the album is. So so go out and check that out. Uh, another thing you should check out, as I was saying up front, uh, this band Motorcade. It's made up of a bunch of guys that are uh, have been in bands like, um, let's see, Warren Drugs is one of them. A couple other well-known bands, and uh, it's based out of Dallas, Texas. And they they're weirdly uh, <laughs> they're hard to find. Like the, the the label that they're on is super tiny. Uh, they aren't up on Bandcamp. Uh, they don't really have a web presence. They don't have, but they but they have the music. You can find it in any streaming service, but you can also um, find it on their label site, which I'll put a link in the show notes too. And um, it's just a self-titled debut, and they apparently played a bunch of shows at South by Southwest, caught a bunch of eyes and ears, and people were like, this rocks. This particularly tickles my fancy, because I, uh, if you listen to our Sounds of Washington, D.C. podcast, the last one had Benjamin Schur on from Blight Records, and, and we sort of were talking about our love of like 80s music and synth rock more. Pretty in pink core, if you will, and this is uh, this is that, this is all the way that, this is um, all, all the way like uh, OMD. This is uh, some Depeche Mode up in here, and so it's it's a fantastic little record. and This is a fantastic song. So uh, so let's get this in your ears right now. Uh, this is a recover of a Motorcade self titled debut album. Uh, let's get it. Name of the track is recovered, name of the band and album are on Motorcade it is available everywhere uh now. I think the uh I just got the vinyl, sounds fantastic. I think it's sorta of limited, so if you want to do that, uh order it. Get it. Otherwise support these guys and and hopefully they'll be on tour. I, I would love to see this this stuff live and just oh, it's good. You know, we uh a lot of people are saying country's coming back and, and we've been talking about country for a couple of years now. Um, I I personally think the short version is that I I think we've we've peaked on that little crossover. Uh, there's a lot, there is a lot coming out, but a lot of it sounds exactly the same. Uh, it's all good stuff, but it it is there's no um there's no moving the art form forward or really thinking about it as anything other than product. But what I see coming is uh, maybe a, a super tight uh, '80s music revival, uh, more of the Pretty and Pink core, the late. Or middle to late 80s stuff and, uh, and I for one and am here for it so we'll see if that bears out uh, that's it we're out of here if you liked what you heard you can subscribe to us on iTunes leave us a rating or a message there listen to us on all the services like Google Play Mixcloud, Stitcher, Spotify um, and uh, we're going to be back at the end of the week I don't know what we're going to do because I will be coming back from vacation and uh, be some inspiration or some talk but we're going to do something There'll be something for you on Thursday out there. And um, yeah. So I, ho- I hope your week and uh, our past week and a half has been as good as mine potentially has. And uh, we'll talk to you in a few short days. Until then, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. We'll talk to you soon.
0: <laughs> oh. Kenobi!